Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Before we get started, just a heads up that this episode contains mention of a violent incident where a homophobic slur was used. Hey, what's up? It's Erica with a little announcement from us here at the Bay. Our tiny little team has been grinding on local news like no other, and it really takes a lot of work and energy from all of us here to bring you the best of local news from across the Bay Area three times a week. And just like everyone else, we need a little break too sometimes. So I'm here to let you know that we're taking our annual July break from making new episodes. We'll still be working on the show, talking about how to make it better for you and gaming out what kinds of things we'll want to do next, but there won't be anything new in your feed starting next week. That said, we've got two episodes left for you this month, and I hope you'll stay subscribed and patched in, maybe catch up on all those episodes you didn't listen to. And then I hope you'll welcome us back as part of your weekly routine again in August. All right, that's it. Here's the show. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to the Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. San Francisco Pride is one of the largest and longest-running Pride celebrations in the world. It's also changed a lot over the years. And there are queer elders who've been around to witness it all. One of them is Gwen Craig, who moved to San Francisco in 1975, five years after the city's very first Pride. Oh, I think... Pride means more this year than ever. As we wrap up Pride Month, we're going to hear from one queer elder about the past, present, and future of San Francisco Pride in her own words. Stay with us. Hi, 
I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. My name is Gwen Craig, and if it's spelled later, it's G-W-E-N-N, Craig, C-R-A-I-G. I moved to San Francisco in 1975. I moved here from Chicago, but I grew up in Atlanta. And I came to San Francisco totally sight unseen. (laughs) I came here because of San Francisco's reputation. (laughs) It just had a reputation for being very open and accepting and a place where you could just find yourself and be yourself. I was someone who was looking to find my lesbian identity. I came there sort of burgeoning into myself and finding who she was and sort of sheepishly going into these lesbian cafes and saying, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) And being more comfortable hanging out with my gay male friends at dance bars, because I love to dance, (laughs) and trying to find my way into the lesbian bars and sort of work up the courage to ask a woman to dance and that sort of thing. So it was, uh, I was finding my way in my 20s when I first arrived here. I, I didn't really expect much going to the Pride Parade. I didn't expect it to really have the impact on me that it did. Well, first of all, it was the feeling of it's all these people. (laughs) And, you know, even though I lived in the Castro, you just had a sense that there were even more people than we even had realized because they were coming from so many more walks of life, so many more spaces. It, It inspired me so much, so, so very much. I would just try and, you know, wear some touch of the rainbow, I suppose, you know, and put flowers in my hair and, you know, put ribbons where I could and and that sort of thing. I I would just like to try and, you know, put something to festoon my outfit and my hair and my ears and, and my wrist and something that would dangle and sparkle in some way. It was a a day that it was important to do that, I thought. And I just loved 
riding the Muni train, all dressed up in people, you know, who are on the train who would know, oh, I know, you know, what she's all dressed up for. And I, I had no interest in politics. It was all about this personal journey of identity for me, I thought. But then something started happening in Florida, and this woman named Anita Bryant and uh, was stirring up trouble there. and started saying some things about who gay people were that was very disturbing and I found very potentially threatening. She's taken on still another role as a crusader against Dade County's homosexual rights amendment. She will use any form, the church pulpit, a letter-writing campaign, or television talk shows. When word came that there was an ordinance in Miami that that would allow known homosexuals to teach my children. God help us as a nation. I think I was very personally offended by this campaign that was going on and by these messages about who these evil gay people were. And I knew that didn't describe me and my friends and the people I knew and the people that were my neighbors. And... um I wandered into this meeting sort of by mistake one night where people were talking about organizing, and I became very involved with this, very interested in this, until they finally said, well, you know, maybe you could do something and lead that up, and I left there as the media coordinator, and they said, oh my God, what is that? And so I went to this camera shop that I knew was managed by this guy, Harvey Milk, who was the mayor of Castro Street and uh, who I saw on the news all the time, and I knew that he knew how to do media. And uh, I just went in and said, look, I've gotten involved in this, and they name me media coordinator, and I'm not quite sure what to do, and maybe you'd have some advice. Boy, that was a momentous occasion in my life. Harvey just swept me in, took me to the back of the store, sat me down, had a mentoring session like no ever, and and just gave me every bit of information that he had, showed me his map for how to go out to all of the TV and radio stations in the city, and if you took this route, you could get to all of them in the least amount of time, and just, you know, gave me an expert session that... It would last a lifetime. In 1977, my good friend Bill Krause, a week or two before the parade, we'd been in the Castro and we'd seen this um, sign up on what was Star Pharmacy then. It later became Walgreens Pharmacy, right at the corner of 18th and Castro. And um, it said something like, our friend Robert Hillsborough was killed tonight. He was stabbed in the Mission District by uh, teenagers yelling, fag, fag, as they stabbed him. 
people were gathering and reading the sign and walking away, and they were sad or they were mad, but they were very affected by this. So we went to the newspaper box <laughs> and uh, pulled out a chronicle to see where it was, and we kept going and kept going. Finally, we found this small article on, like, page 42, you know, and it just, you know, said man killed in the mission. Nothing about him being gay, nothing about, you know, the circumstances of the stabbing or anything. We said, now, see, this is wrong. We rushed around the corner to my apartment, (laughs) and we banged out a press release, and we took Harvey's map, and we drove it around following his directions to all the TV stations and the radio stations, and our press release said something to the effect of, we blame the Anita Bryants and John Briggses for bringing about the homophobia and intolerance that caused these kind of murders. And then the next morning, (laughs) I got a call at about 5.30, and it was, you know, hi, this is so-and-so from Station Blah, 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 and I've got your press release here, and we'd like to go out live on the air, and if you could just maybe read it, you know, I think that would work the best. And (laughs) And my phone didn't stop ringing from that point forward for the rest of the day. But at the parade that year, on the steps of City Hall, people brought flowers that they said were for Robert Hillsborough, the young man who had been stabbed. And the flowers that they brought, I always tear up when I tell this story, covered the steps of City Hall. I am moved to this day by that particular tribute. And I just thought, you know, We thought nothing was going to come of this when we went out there with our little press release and drove it around, and they didn't seem to care in the least. And what really got me was that not only did the newspapers and the radio stations and everything pick it up, but people picked it up, and people cared, and people on their own did this floral tribute at the parade that was... I thought, one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. So this was like a beginning of our movement, we felt. Maybe not the very beginning, but it was a stage that we were entering that was new. And we thought that, you know, this development just grew. It... It progressed. It kept going forward, forward. I think what has taken some of us so by surprise is that we didn't expect a regression. We didn't expect that to go backwards at any time. That's not supposed to happen. We explain to you who we are, and yet you're coming back the same lies and distortions, and we have to do this again? You have to scare your children again about who we are. That just seems so ridiculous. Oh, I think pride means more this year than ever. You know, I think that what a lot of people found the most disheartening over the last decade or so was the creeping um, 
corporatism that came into the parade. I think that was the most disturbing thing that people found, that, um, you know, there used to be this, we need to show off the wide breadth of all of our community organizations and all our community um, groups and you know, the the wide variety of who is a part of our community. But, you know, then all of a sudden it became, oh, look, there's AT&T. Oh, look, you know, there's Microsoft. And, you know, and people said, well, you know, I, I didn't come for that. <laughs> you know, and, you know, this is it shouldn't be, you know, one long commercial. And it doesn't really show up, you know, in contributions to our cause at the same time. So there's not a partnership here. There's only we will show up when it might result in dollars for us. Now with this current undertow of intolerance that these kinds of activities, you know, parades, marches, um, demonstrations, you know, everything, they become important again. As I've been in the parades and you look out and you see the people along the sidelines and you see into the faces of some of the young people in particular and you know that they're seeing for the first time, maybe, maybe that's me. You know, so I think about those people that we need to give out ourselves to by being in these marches and parades. They need to be able to see a newscast or see a news story printed or whatever they're going to see to know there's a lot of us. If you have to leave home to come find us, come to us because we will welcome you. If you need another family than the one you have, we will welcome you. But don't give up on life. Life can be happy for you. And don't ever think that the life that you have is not worth living because, let me tell you, it can be a very happy place. It can be one of great joy. That was Gwen Craig as interviewed by KQED's Annalise Finney. This interview was cut down and edited by our senior editor, Alan Montecilio. It was scored by our intern, Jalen Herdman. Additional production assistance from Maria Esquinka and me. The Bay is a production of member-supported KQED in San Francisco. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks for listening. Talk to you Friday. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. 
So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 